20 years ago, Odyssey changed the putting game when they introduced the white-hot insert. Now the most iconic, most played, and most sought-after putter insert of all time is back in the new white-hot OG. White-hot OG has the same mythical combination of sound, feel, and performance as the original, but with modern upgrades that are available in classic head shapes like the 2-ball, the Rossi, and the number 7. White-hot OG, legendary then, iconic now. See the new lineup at CallawayGolf.ca. When Canada's Olympians arrive in Tokyo later this month, it won't be the games that they or anyone else was expecting. While events are going forward, Japan is limiting who can come into the country, and of course there's the whole concern lingering due to a global pandemic. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Post-media national sports writer Dan Barnes joins me to discuss how the pandemic altered training and qualifying for athletes, how Canada is preparing to keep them safe in Tokyo, and how some are feeling heading into the COVID Olympics. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Dan, we're less than a month away from the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo, but things will look quite different. For Canadian athletes who are going, how will this competition be different than they may have expected? Will there be a reduction in athletes and officials going? Will they have family cheering them on? What is the pandemic Olympics going to look like for them? Well, I, I think the biggest difference for somebody who has never been to an Olympics and a first-time athlete at an Olympics, they won't have anything to compare it to, but they will have to notice the fact that their parents won't be in the audience because foreign visitors will not be allowed to attend the games. That's the first thing. In terms of team size, it should be fairly normal. The athletics team, the track and field team, they sent 65 people to Rio, 65 athletes. I suspect it'll be close to that. It might be a little bit smaller, but Mm -hmm. not because of the pandemic. Simply, well, I, I suppose maybe because of the pandemic, because not everybody had the qualifying chances that they normally would. There were a lot of meet cancellations, obviously a lot of training restrictions that prevented people from getting into the right shape at the right time for qualification. So there's some of that, but in general, the team size will be the same. What will be different will be all the movement restrictions in Tokyo. There'll be much fewer media around. I guess they're allowing domestic fans now I believe it's 50% of venue capacity up to 10,000. So the opening ceremonies, for instance, it won't be chock full of people. The closing ceremonies won't be chock full of people. Hmm. I wonder if athletes will hang around once their event finishes. Few are done in the first three days of the Olympics. Normally, you, you know, you might hang around and enjoy the city. I think that's not likely to happen this time. I think Canadian athletes, when they're done, they'll be done. And I wonder how many will hang around for the closing ceremonies. I've heard it described by people who are going as likely to be the no fun Olympics. (laughs) And media, for instance, will be restricted to Olympic venues. They're being told, don't go outside Olympic venues. Don't have any fun, for heaven's sakes. Just go there, do your job, and go home. And even the job is not going to be much fun because most of the interviews you do Rather than getting five minutes here and there with an athlete face-to-face, you'll be doing Zoom calls. Yeah, It is of necessity, obviously, but it is certainly not of convenience. Now, the decision to delay 
the games last year was obviously a big deal for the International Olympic Committee, but how big a deal is it that they're holding these games at all? Well, I think it's a very big deal in terms of uh, the IOC's bottom line because TV revenue drives the IOC. Mm -hmm. There are billions at stake. And yes, it costs billions to delay these games by a year, but to wipe them out entirely would really impact the IOC long term just because of the uh, loss of television revenue, and and it's mostly American dollars. Mm -hmm. It would set the movement back, and I don't know how long it would take to get back on the financial footing that you need, but, you know, I could see Beijing being impacted in one way or another. So in terms of pure economics, it had to go on. But in terms of safety and the greater good, I don't know. They're stretching it. That's for sure. I'm not going myself. I had the option to go. I've chosen not to go. There were some family issues around that, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be a very comfortable place to be. For athletes who are on the ground there, is the IOC taking measures to protect athletes or are individual countries' Olympic committees doing things differently? Like, you know, is the Canadian Olympic Committee providing, you know, maybe extra PPE or, you know, making sure they're all vaccinated? Like, what measures are going into making sure athletes are safe on the ground there? They can't make sure all athletes and coaches and officials are vaccinated. They're certainly encouraging that. But I spoke again to... uh, Glenroy Gilbert, the head coach of the uh, Athletics Canada delegation, and he believes that they will have some athletes on their team that are not vaccinated, and you can't force that. So Mm -hmm. what you can force and what the IOC and the local organizing committee is forcing is testing, and they are going to be tested regularly, and I suspect it's daily as long as they're in the competition bubble. They've done the usual health and safety protocols around an event like this, they will do all that. They will distance as much as they can. They will test as much as they can and should. And all the precautions will be taken. But when you drop that many people into a city that size, there's no telling how that's going to go. So you do all the right things and you hope for the best, I guess. Now, you mentioned earlier, like athletes are trying to be in the right shape at the right time they're, when they're preparing for the games, a lot of them are preparing on a four-year cycle, even though there are annual competitions that they all take part in. What is this postponement meant for athletes when it comes to trying to reset their training regimen and also in terms of qualifying? Has it meant that, you know, some of them may have missed out on qualifying or some of them may have had to say, you know, this may have been my last Olympics. I'm not able to go anymore. Well, it depends on the athlete, obviously. Some have gained a year and some have lost a year. That's the way they're thinking of it. If you were dealing with a nagging injury in, uh, let's call it last June, Mm -hmm. and it was potentially going to impact your ability to qualify, well, you've had another year, hopefully, to recover. Or maybe it got worse. Who knows? But that's the kind of thing that's going on. And when you look at training, That differs from country to country and certainly continent to continent. And Canadian training facilities were, I think, by and large, restricted more than they were certainly in the United States and more than they were in large swaths of Europe and Asia. So I think that Canadian athletes in general are at something of a disadvantage. Whether they've been able to make that up by training in the United States, I know that's happened in many cases. Obviously, more and more facilities have been opened in the last several months. Whether that's too late, I don't know. 
I mean, you look at the form of some Canadian athletes, it's on par with probably with where it should have been mm-hmm. had they not been restricted to training facilities. So again, I just had a conversation with Glenroy Gilbert and he feels that, yes, there is somewhat of a disadvantage, but if you let that get in your head, it's only going to get worse. So just being off for as long as they were was troubling at the beginning. I think it's been mitigated by their ability to train far more regularly and in far more uh, facilities of late. So, you know, when they get there, it's probably not going to be in their heads. It's probably just, you know, rise to the occasion, do your job on the day. You talk about training and facilities being shut down. One of the most indelible images in the news world that I saw in the last year was, I believe it was a Calgary photographer, Leah Hennel, won an award for a photo of a water polo player training on her farm in a makeshift pool that she had made with hay bales and tarps. Hay bales, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a great picture. Have you heard any other kind of strange training stories or just even kind of outside what you would assume an Olympic athlete would be training at? I did a story with a, a modern pentathlete from Calgary, mm-hmm. and she said that as much as she could, she trained in her basement. And obviously she wasn't riding horses in her basement, Yeah. but she was working out in her basement for the five events of a pentathlon, a modern pentathlon, which include shooting and running and swimming. <laughs> so she probably wasn't swimming in her basement either, yeah. but it's, that's the kind of thing that was the inconvenient part of it, right? When pools got shut down, how does the swimmer train? Well, they didn't, you know, they dry land trained for quite a while in Canada, but there was a long stretch where they were out of the pool. Now they've since got back to it. And I think their training has been far more regular for the last six months or whatever it's been, but they have had to improvise. And I saw a winter athlete make her own set of weights and lift in the backyard and, or, or on a ranch or a farm or somewhere. Yeah. They have all adjusted sport climber, Sean McCall built a climbing wall on a friend's property. Hmm. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing they did just because it's that important to them to be in top shape for the Olympics. In Canada, especially Olympic athletes rely on a lot of kind of various funding sources. Obviously you can't work a full-time job and train full-time to compete in the Olympics. Do you know if the pandemic slowed down any of the ability for them to get funding, hampered them in any way? No, they were fully funded by Sport Canada. So That was something that the COC was very grateful for, and all their sponsorship partners came through. So I don't believe there is any funding disadvantage at all. They were topped up, and you know whether that continues for the winter athletes for Beijing, I suspect it will. I think they're also fully funded, so there shouldn't be any financial disadvantage. You talk to athletes, you talk to coaches. What is their feeling about these games, about going into this knowing that some of them may not be vaccinated, you know, there could be a risk of variant strains in Japan that you could get sick, even if you are vaccinated, not having family there. Are they excited? Are they worried? Are they just thinking, okay, well, we can get through this and then I can look forward to the next one? Again, I think it depends on the athlete. I think anybody who hasn't been to an Olympics obviously is thrilled at the prospect of their first games. And they don't know any better, so they will have to accept the uh, competition at face value. Now, somebody like swimmer Brent Hayden, the 37-year-old who's already been to three Olympics, this will be vastly different for him. And he'll go there to get the business done, and he won't be able to enjoy it quite likely the way he had 
the previous three. So, I mean, it would be crazy if they weren't a little bit concerned about the way things are going to go, just because it's a very real possibility that there will be a variant outbreak. I mean, I don't know how you shut that down entirely in a city like Tokyo. Mm -hmm. You hope you do. You, you do all the things right. And again, all the health and safety protocols will be out in full force, and you hope that's enough. So there has to be some concern. There's obviously a bunch of excitement at having qualified for another Olympics, right? Yeah. Even the veterans, that will be there. But this will be a Games unlike any other, just because of the pandemic and all the restrictions that will be in place once they get there. You know, it won't be normal, but it also won't be the worst thing in the world because they're actually qualified for an Olympics. Now, looking ahead to the Games themselves, I'd like to follow Olympic sports as you get closer to the Games. And, and last year, seeing them shut down, you didn't have that kind of same excitement and buildup. And this year, all the talk has been about the pandemic and Tokyo may not wanting all these athletes coming in. There has been a lot of talk about the athletes themselves. Like, are there Canadians that you've been following who potentially stand a chance of bringing home a medal? Oh, yeah. I suspect Canada will probably get in the neighborhood of 20 medals. So it's not going to compete with uh, China or the United States mm. or Germany, I suppose. But I'm specializing in track and field this year, and I could see three or four there. I could see five or six out of the swimming pool. The divers are, are looking pretty good. There's certainly room for 20 medals. And that's the normal part of this thing. Once you take away all the concerns about the pandemic, eventually a competition occurs. And if the pandemic has no impact on that specific competition, you know, pick a race in track, the 100 meters. You know, Andre de Grasse has a chance in the 100 meters. He has a chance in the 200 meters. So it will come down eventually to just that moment the 10 seconds of the 100, the 20 seconds of the 200, you will be able to strip away all the superfluous drama of the pandemic and get back to sport just for that moment. Provided, of course, you know, some huge name in the field doesn't come down with COVID. Yeah. So, I mean, there's the potential for that all the time. But at its very simplest, it will become a race, you know, or a competition. And, and everybody looks forward to that. And Canadian athletes have as much reason to look forward to that as anybody else with, you know, again, the potential for 20 medals on the line. Well, you know, as someone who loves watching the Olympic Games, I'm looking forward to it, and I imagine a lot of Canadians are as well. Dan, thanks for your time. You bet. Thanks, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Dan Barnes. More from him at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. <laughs>